This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome along again to the Northern Agenda podcast, your weekly look at what's making waves in politics in the towns, cities, suburbs and villages of the proud north of England. I'm Rob Parsons, a journalist based in Leeds who follows the ups and downs of regional politics in the north and I try and make sense of it every day with an email newsletter called the Northern Agenda. This podcast is my once a week chance to take a deeper look at some of the big issues in the north and speak to people in the know for their insights and expertise. If you like the podcast, why not leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts as it helps us reach more people across our region. Now, I love covering the really positive things going on in our region. So I wanted to tell you about a brilliant project being led in the north of England. Budding writers and journalists from underrepresented backgrounds could be in with a chance of getting their big break as part of a scheme backed by the Daily Mirror, also National Treasure Michael Sheen. The A Writing Chance project aims to give wannabe writers from minority backgrounds a leg up into the industry. It's co-founded by uh, the actor, uh, also the York-based Joseph Roundtree Foundation and New Writing North. It's open to all new or emerging journalists, plus fiction and non-fiction writers from working class and lower income backgrounds who are aged over 18 and based in the UK. And the background to it is work done at Northumbria University about the barriers stopping writers from diverse backgrounds from having successful careers. So let's find out more about it with Claire Malcolm, the Chief Executive of New Writing North, and Katie Shaw, friend of the podcast and professor of 21st century writing and publishing at Northumbria University. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Claire, why don't you just tell us a bit about the project, uh, sort of how it came about and what you're hoping to achieve with it? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion over the past uh, few years around the creative industries about diversifying the voices and the work that gets made um, across lots of different forms of writing. And New Writing North has been developing writers from the North and in the North for over 25 years now. So we've played a big part in this and we're often the advocates for also talking about geography being a barrier um, with so much of publishing and so much of the creative industries, the production base not being based in the North or definitely not being based in the Northeast. And in 2018, we ended up working on a project um, with a writer called Kit Duval and the crowdfunding publisher Unbound called Common People, which was on the back of um, a book that was published called The Good Immigrant that was edited by a writer called Niketh Shuttler, which was a really groundbreaking book 
looking at the kind of experience of people coming into the UK and having to um, perform as being good immigrants, kind of worthwhile kind of people. It's a very groundbreaking book, caused a lot of conversations within publishing and within the cultural sector. And I thought it was interesting because the thing that didn't come out of that book much was class or the barriers that, um, especially if you're from working class backgrounds, are there when it comes to culture and the creative industries. And we run Durham Book Festival and we had um, lots of writers from The Good Immigrant there that year. We also had a writer called Kit Duval, who was a newly debut published novelist that year. And she's from a working class background. She's a black writer and she'd written a book that was about a kid from a working class background that was absolutely brilliant called My Name is Leon, which has since been on the telly and all kinds of brilliant stuff. The publisher, John Mitchinson Unbound, was also there. So we had this conversation. I said, nobody talks about class, do they, in publishing? And they were like, no, it's the big, it's the big thing that nobody ever wants to talk about, even when we're talking about diversity and access more generally. So out of that was born this book. So we crowdfunded a book called Common People that matched well-known working class writers but writers you might not know were working class or working class backgrounds with new writers that we scoped from across um, the UK and that book did really well Katie did a um, an evaluation and research work around that um, and it attracted a lot of debate and conversation when it was launched it felt like class suddenly landed as a thing to talk about within the creative industries wonderful Michael Sheen saw that project and afterwards approached us and said could we do something like this in Wales because he is very committed obviously to making things happen in Wales and I said for the, with the best will in the world we're based in the northeast we're not the right organization to run something in Wales for you um, and he said okay well could we do it nationally and I was like that we could have a look at doing so through lots of interesting conversations and Katie and Michael were talking there was lots of different stuff in the air but we ended up deciding to try and work up a national project that was about different kinds of storytelling, but that was about um, bringing working class writers to the fore or working class writers that also had other intersectional uh, things going on that presented barriers or um, were very underrepresented in writing in the media. So that's, that's our kind of origin story. Fantastic. And obviously this is the event that's been uh, launched uh, this week is sort of the second iteration of it. But Katie, maybe you could just tell us a bit about your involvement uh, in it, because I gather you, you and Michael Sheen, you kind of pulled it all together over lockdown, over your respective kitchen tables, over over Zoom. So how, how did how did it all come about from your, your point of view? Well, as Claire said, it was really when we were promoting the uh, research findings from the Common People Project that identified some of the really persistent barriers that existed for um people of different social classes trying to enter the publishing industry and also get published. Um, during that kind of press launch, um, Michael and I got talking about it. We'd been in touch through various other bits of work I'd done in the past. And it really aligned with a lot of his uh, philanthropy um, and what he was aiming to do. And I think that, you know, it's been well publicised. He's moved kind of forward as a dual pathway of being a philanthropist and an actor and a bit of a social activist. And it was in the first lockdown, and I do think we had lockdown to thank for this a little bit, and that it freed up the space for us to think about it. That yes, we both sat in our respective kitchen tables, him in Port Talbot and me in Newcastle, um, and plotted 
And, you know, the story of that plotting is now documented in each of our TED Talks um, in, in quite good detail. And we came up with this idea of um, including uh, multiple partners looking at cross-sector intervention because this is everybody's problem and everybody's opportunity. So we really needed that collaborative model to deliver something that was going to be meaningful and that would achieve the change making. And because I was already embedded as a researcher with um, with New Writing North, uh, they were absolutely an ideal delivery partner for this. And they've been absolutely key to shaping it and delivering phase two as well. Because you've done some specific research into this issue, haven't you? And, and so maybe you could just explain the sort of wider aim behind this whole project like what what are some of the reasons why the writing industry whether it's the the media or books or whatever uh, that is not it's not diverse enough and not enough working class and lower income writers are making it in because there's a whole host of different reasons aren't there yeah, I mean, there's a whole range of different barriers. Some of the more unusual barriers are what our first um, evaluation report of Orating Chance, which is available online to read, have kind of thrown up. Um, some of which aren't for the first time, but the ones that are quite persistent are also are also the issue here, right? Because if it's those, oh, we all know issues, and um, we all know that barrier exists, but there's still no action or, or kind of no results in how we are overcoming it. And we've also found some some areas and some interventions that do work really well. So it's been as much about how we identify the barriers, but also then we think about best practice in addressing them. And these barriers persist and they really matter because publishing is one of our growth industries in the UK. All we hear about at the moment is we need growth, we need growth. Well, some stats yesterday came out that said that UK publishing is now number one in the world for the publishing industry, you know, £13.1 billion and 22% growth last year. And it continued growing during the pandemic. Now, this is not just important in terms of economics and pounds and pence, although that is really important. It's also important for diversity. Because if you get diversity right in writing, writing goes onto the stage, it goes onto the screen, it goes onto your podcasts. The bleed through potential of getting diversity right at source is so important. So this intervention is very much thinking about, of course, EDI is important in terms of social and cultural aims, but it's also an economic imperative for us as a nation and for the creative industries to overcome these barriers, to identify them, to take action and to create a more inclusive creative industries. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And presumably the thinking behind that is that currently, despite, I guess, the best efforts of many people, the newspapers and websites that we all read all the time and the books that we read and other media that we consume is still too dominated by a certain type of person and other other voices that represent the whole gamut of what the UK is about are not being heard sufficiently so that people know what their issues are. That's That's essentially the issue, isn't it? It is, and I think it's not exclusive to writing. Um, I think, you know, there'll be many panels that I've been on to do with things like the Northern Powerhouse or Leveling Up, where you'll be the token Northerner on the panel or often the token woman and Northerner on the panel, so it's a double tick. Um, 
And diversity is, is still right the elephant in the room for a lot of areas today. And as we're seeing with things like the COVID inquiry at the moment, it's really important that you have a diversity of people around the table when it comes to decision making, when it comes to creativity, certainly. So I think for journalism, for fiction writing, for non-fiction writing, the more diverse your writers, ultimately, the more diverse your audiences will be. And commercially, publishers of all kinds need to think about audience development and accessing new audiences. So diversity for them is a real kind of strategic need, as well as a creative need. Claire, can you just take us through what uh, will happen to people if they enter a writing chance and if they have success? Because you've managed to line up some pretty great kind of support from quite big players in the industry, haven't you? We have. It's brilliant. So um, we've got 16 opportunities for writers to fill this time round. So we're kind of almost doubling the size of the project. Um, eight writers will work with Faber and Faber, you know, the, one of the most amazing publishing houses in the country. And they will get to develop novels or their nonfiction books, their memoirs with editors at Faber. As part of that, they'll also get insight days into publishing. So we're op- basically opening the doors to all the information and all the kind of network development that you need to function within that part of the industry and letting people into that. Then we have four writers that will be working with the Daily Mirror and we worked with the Mirror last time round in a writing chance. So it's a really well-developed partnership there and they'll be mentored by leading writers from the Mirror. They will be helped to understand how you write to the news agenda. And the thing that the Mirror were really interested in, obviously their, you know, their readership is predominantly working class. So it's really important to them that they continue to develop talent that has the kind of up-to-date lived experience of that part of um, our demographic. So we saw some great work come out of that project last year and writers there on our scheme were let into the newsroom. They went to the news conferences. So exciting. And actually, you know, Katie was saying earlier, COVID enabled some things and actually in a very positive way, it did enable quite a lot of access to some of the writers we had on the programme the first time round. But this year, we'll all be back in real life. So I'm really excited to be taking writers into some of those contexts so behind those doors that often can be very, very hard to open. But then acknowledging that print media, um, as some people would say, is struggling a little bit. Um, we decided this year to also um, venture into different ways that people are writing now. So we've got a new partnership with Substack, which four writers will experience being taken through the process of how writers can develop their own audiences on that very new platform, which I think is really exciting. It feels we're really at the forefront of what's happening in one area of the writing industries at the moment. And I'm excited that Substack offers writers the opportunity to not only develop their own audiences, but to develop their own paying audiences for their work. So I'm, you know, I'm really glad this year that we've got a set of partners that encompass different kinds of writing from the very traditional, very established partners like Faber through to the most kind of cutting edge things that are happening in the writing industry. So we're attempting to play on all fronts. And this year also, we've got fantastic support from Audible UK, who have come on board as our audio sponsor. They just want to help make the programme happen, but they'll also be offering experiences for all the writers involved to look at how Audible works, how audiobooks are made and how podcasts get developed. So across the piece this time round, the writers involved will get access to a great deal of really exciting stuff. 
I saw the quote from Michael Sheen where he said in the first uh, iteration of a writing chance, he was sort of blown away by the quality of the writers who who, en- who entered. I mean, are, are there any any specific Northern writers who entered as part of the contest that you, know, you particularly have your eye on who you think might have a, a really bright future? Well, yes. I mean, they're, they're kind of out there doing it, kind of, it's all happening now. So, but I remember that moment because I remember there was a, a slight anxiety that we'd made such a big deal out of this project. We'd landed it so brilliantly when we launched it. Um, and I remember I going, but, but we will find the work, won't we? And I was like, really, that won't, that won't be a problem. <laughs> that won't, won't be something we encounter. And, you know, we had 11 writers on that programme uh, last time round. And there were many more we could have could have had on the program. So there is no, you know, lack of talent. It's just the getting through the doors and getting access to opportunities is the is the challenge. But of the writers that were part of the program in the first year, our main, you know, our huge success story has been Tom Newlands, who he was mentored by David Peace, the brilliant writer of 1984 and kind of Damned United and all those brilliant books. And he was working on a novel called Only Here, Only Now. And David thought, David kept saying during the project, he's really good. He's really good. We have to try and land this novel. And we did. And Tom ended up with a two book deal with um, Phoenix Books. And he's been talked about as the new Roddy Doyle, you know. So he's the first out of the gate in terms of landing a really big book deal. But many of the other writers have um, got a Agents, they're developing projects. They've gone on to write for different publications. They're preparing essay collections. So, you know, such great stuff has happened. Um, but what we find, and Katie knows this as well as our someone who's been embedded within our work, is that writing doesn't happen overnight. We we tend to think of debut novelists as just arriving, but there's always a long trajectory behind those arrivals. So it's also really important to us that we keep track of. The writers and we're continuing to engage with most of them and to help them so we're still in you know involved with with helping them move on and loads of them have gone on to win awards i mean i was almost i was kind of almost aghast the other week because there's a writer called mayo who was a young black guy he was one of our first year intakes well he writes for children writes fantasy novels and he's just winning competitions almost every every other week at the moment. So we know when you start to see that happen in a new writer's career that the book deal will happen very soon. And I remember Mayo talking at one of the round tables we did and saying when he was at school and he'd um, talked about being interested in writing, being interested in being a writer or a filmmaker, he was basically told that wouldn't be possible and that he should just try and go into IT. So, you know, there are different stories behind what the barriers are for every writer that we've encountered. But some of them are really quite stark and quite simple, you know, but quite hard to shift the dial on. So we we have learned a great deal. Absolutely. So this could be a real life-changing thing for uh, talented writers in the North or elsewhere in the country. Just remind uh, our listeners what, what the website is, if they want to uh, go on and find out more about it. If you just Google A Writing Chance, you will find, you'll find our pages. And you will also find lots of other resources around those pages as well to maybe inspire you or to help help you think about how to develop your work. Great stuff. Well, I hope uh, people listening try and enter if, if they're eligible or, or send it on to people who, who, who might be. Um, Claire, Malcolm and Katie Shaw, thank you so much for telling us about a writing chance today. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Northern Agenda podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our daily newsletter at thenorthernagenda.co.uk. 
it's more important than ever for Northern voices to be heard. The Northern Agenda is a laudable production for Reach. It's presented by me, Rob Parsons, and it's produced by Daniel J. McLaughlin. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to The Northern Agenda wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Also, check out the other laudable podcasts. See you next week. Bye-bye.